This is Government Gone Digital. I'm Dana Birchman, Chief Digital Officer here in Gilbert, Arizona, and I'm here today with two of my fabulous teammates, Derek Konofowski, our Data and Technology Analyst, and Jennifer Alvarez, our Digital Media and Marketing Officer. And today we wanted to get together and talk about this concept that I mentioned quite a bit about going where your residents are, right? If your residents are living their lives online, then we should be providing services and ways for them to access what we do and connect with their government online. So we, we use this term a lot, be where your residents are, go where your residents are. And I think for government, that can be very difficult at times, but this is what we're really focused on here in Gilbert. For example, if you're living your life and paying your bills a certain way, then that's the way that your residents should be able or customers should be able to pay their bills when they do business with their government or their city, their state, the federal government, whatever it might be. And so I think that this is a really important concept. Again, the demographics in Gilbert tend to lend itself to average age of 32. So we have an advantage of having a lot of our residents have access to being online but I would argue that even our retirement community population that's a little bit older, even more so are engaging online, paying their bills, they're living their lives in that space. So we should be there for them. So let's talk about that, what our thoughts are around this concept. Yeah, well, yesterday uh, we were at the uh, Arizona Digital Government Summit, um, and you know, we kind of had this conversation a couple times with a few different people. Um, but I think that there's kind of two major important points to that and one is this this idea of being where your residents are at because like we talked about in some of the previous episodes the the rest of the world you know in your day-to-day life you're on certain social media channels you do certain things government shouldn't force people to change their lifestyle to be able to access the services that government offers if you're if you're doing a great job of delivering those services to people then they should be as seamless as possible we talked about um, in one of the previous episodes about lowering the boundaries between the, the goal of what a resident is trying to do and you know where the resident is at right now. If you can meet them where they're at, then there shouldn't be any boundaries. Now, that's obviously not going to be possible and perfect in every single way. Um, and then the other thing is the challenge of uh, Government specifically is one of, I hesitate to call government an industry, but like we're one of the few sectors where um, we don't have like a targeted demographic. So it's not like we can say, you know, yes, our average age in Gilbert is 32 years old or whatever, but that doesn't mean we only have to market to the 32 year olds or whatever the case may be. You have to market to everybody. And there's not very many industries that are like that, where you're literally trying to target as many people as possible. We don't even get to choose our demographic. It's just people that live in Gilbert. So those two things combined, you you not only have to have kind of that breadth of knowing where your residents are, because that, you know, how can you meet them where they are if you don't know where they are, number one. And then number two, you have to know, you know, what what that messaging is and exactly how to get that across to this entire demographic. And like I said, it's not like any other industry or sector out there, private, public or otherwise. Yeah, I think um, one of the most important things that we've learned, and I think our team here in Gilbert has learned beyond just our Office of Digital Government, has learned that if you want feedback or if you want people to be informed, you have to go where they are. You have to make it easy for them. And so, you know, we're seeing our next door followers grow by thousands, a thousand followers or 
additions every month. Um, so people are wanting to stay informed and they're probably getting on Nextdoor because they're no, they know that that's where we're sharing information and that's where they're gonna hear the latest from the town of Gilbert. Um, but beyond that is just making it easy for people to provide feedback. So if you, mm-hmm. if a department comes to us and says, hey, we want to know what the community thinks about um, bike planning. We're about to develop our bike plan. How do we get feedback? Well, find a tool that's going to be easy for them to provide feedback. So basically with in Gilbert, we make sure that it's mobile friendly because likely it's more likely that they're going to be accessing it from their phone, either from a tweet that we've sent out, a Facebook post, from Instagram, Instagram stories. Um, so making sure that the tool that we're using to survey is mobile friendly, but then also making it short. Nobody has time to take a 20 question survey anymore. Um, Get down to what you really need and and the information that you really want to obtain from the residents and make sure that it's user friendly and easy for them to provide that feedback. Well, yeah, and you're going to get a lot more feedback doing it that way versus having a public meeting where if anyone shows up it's usually the people who are angry or have an issue or it's they have a vested interest in whatever it might be and so they're there to you know raise their concerns but you're not really getting a sense of what the community really feels about something and so making it easy to get their feedback is another part of that. Who has time to go to a public meeting? You no know, one. I know I don't. And you mentioned next door, and we should say, you know, we have 78,000 households in Gilbert, and we have over 40,000 of them on next door. So it really is an amazing free tool to deliver information to them directly into their inbox. But I love this idea of it being a two way conversation, actually soliciting something from them back. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think that's a great point because. I think a lot of the times when I talk to people that are in other governments, they they treat that that community meeting or that you know we've referred to it multiple times before as like the HOA effect, where they they feel like you have to position specific um, events or whatever to get feedback from people instead of just leaving the channels open. You know, it's it's one thing to meet your residents where they are and then just throw information at them constantly, and it's another thing to not only meet them where they are but then leave that, that engage with them. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's not it's not just that you're you're opening limited windows for engagement and saying we're soliciting feedback between the hours of seven and three on May, you know, these dates or whatever. It's just, just leaving that, that door open constantly. I mean, it's almost like an open door policy, you know, having that two way conversation at any time you can respond to us. We may not have answers. We may not have, you know, all the information you need right now, but we're open. We're listening. Like, just just let us know when you want some information and then we'll get back to you kind of back and forth on that conversation. And we see that all the time mm-hmm. on social media with people Facebook messaging us or tweeting at us. Um, and then also Gilbert 311 um, through C-Click Fix, uh, the inquiries that we get on there. I mean, they don't get a response right away, but well, they do. They don't get a, they get an automated message right away, and then our staff is responding within I think it's less than a day typically yeah. during the, business the, week. The longest uh, the longest time period for a response is typically forty eight hours, and that's only on the ones where we can't take action right away. Right, and residents don't care as long as they know that they're being heard, and their issue or concern is being addressed. Um, that's all they really care about, and oftentimes we've seen that we've been able to turn angry residents or citizens into that, an angry situation into a positive one just by communicating. That's all they want. They want to feel like they're listened to and that they're being communicated to. So um, I think that's the biggest lesson that we've learned with social media is just be responsive, have that two-way communication, and make sure that your residents feel like they're heard. 
Yeah, and you can't assume that you know what your residents want Mm-mm. either. You know, I again, when we talk to a lot of other municipalities, they have this idea that that oh yeah, we well, we know what our residents are looking for, or we know what our residents want. It's like that that's not like a a set in stone kind of thing. That might change from week to week or it might change as different events or different things happen in your community. So, it's not something that you can just say like, "Hey, this is, you know, this is what's going on right now and and this is what you you should know." But it's something that changes all the time. Let's talk about the Alexa skill cuz I think oh, that's a perfect. great example yeah. of what we're doing to, again, go where our residents are. So talk about that process. I already had another city locally reach out and say, hey, how did you get that skill approved? What did you do? And then what, what we're doing with it. Sure. So uh, we have a Alexa skill called Gilbert AZ Flash Briefing that residents can now add local community Gilbert News to their flash briefing. So if you have an Amazon Echo, you can say something like, uh, Alexa, what's the news? Or Alexa, give me my flash briefing or, or any any news related kind of keywords. And then, you know, we've recorded five things each week that are, are things that are going on in Gilbert, whether they be public meetings or whether they be uh, programs that our Parks and Rec Department is putting on um i mean what what else were we putting on yeah anything i mean a lot of the same information that we're sharing on our social media platforms we're also sharing through this alexa skill and the reason we decided to launch this alexa skill was because every morning i well i'm always trying to think of ways to reach residents and be Mm -hmm. more citizen centric right how do we go how do we reach more people um, where they're getting their news and information and i found myself every morning asking alexa hey alexa what's in the news and she'd give me my flash briefing And um, we had a local organization start a Gilbert podcast. And while, you know, a podcast would be great, it's a lot of work and something that, you know, if we're going to be doing on a weekly basis to make sure the news is current, um, it wasn't necessarily feasible given. Well, we already do that. We do that with this podcast, (laughs) but a Gilbert specific one with news, um, this the flash briefing just seemed like it would be an easier task to take on and more relevant. If people are already asking Alexa to give them their news for the day, um, why not add Gilbert News to that that list? Yeah, just the ability for a resident to go and ask an Amazon Echo something like that and get lo- you know something that's not not just like local news because there's tons of stuff that can be local news, but like directed. They live in Gilbert. They're they're asking for that stuff, mm-hmm. and because the skill is something that they have to go in and turn on, like we know that those people want that information, so it's out there. And then you know again, they can engage with us. They can respond back. They can leave us comments. Um, I like the fact that. You know, with with Alexa skills, you can you get you actually get analytics and information for how many times that phrase has been invoked with that skill turned on, or or there's I mean there's all kinds of info that you can glean from that. And again, if we're talking about the concept of meeting your residents where they are, you know what a great way to validate whether or not your residents are actually there. You know, look at all these platforms that that they could potentially be on, and then direct your efforts towards the ones that they're using. I think we've already asked when when's the Google Home uh, skill yeah. coming. So that's that's next on your list, Eric. And then Siri probably too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's fantastic. I think home. the open data portal is another great example of this. We talk a lot about open data portals in past episodes. We've talked about if you have an open data portal and it lives in your IT department or in some obscure department in the organization, but no one knows about it to be able to use it, then what good is it, right? Mm -hmm. In the name of transparency only, but not really with the intention to have people actually use your data. And so we took a different 
different approach. And I think we, with Al, with Alex, our open data portal that's an external facing personalized experience where you come to the open data portal and she can guide you through this experience of using the data. The intention of this was to make it easy to meet our residents or businesses, the people that want to use that data for who knows what, what the possibilities are, but to make it an easy process for them. And so again, creating a an experience similar to what they would have if they go ask. We get a lot of people saying, I almost did it too, like ask Alexa, ask Alex. And, mm-hmm. and that really wasn't intentional because it came from this idea of the um, Library of Alexandria. But I think it's really cool that it actually kind of somewhere subtly connects to this notion of, well, this is how I live my life and this is where I go or how I find information. That's how we should be treating our open data portal. I know you've been looking into some ways that we can use certain skills with the open data portal and kind of growing it there too. And I love that because you're thinking about, well, how do I go and get information? Well, I know you, you probably ask Siri for it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, how cool is that if we could ask Alex? So over time, I think we're going to see this happen. And why I don't understand government in general just doesn't have this ability to change quickly. And we know that technology is changing before our eyes. You know, every night we go to bed, we wake up, it's different. And so to stay on top of that and stay ahead of the curve think about the way that you live your life you know well and I think a lot of it has to do with fear right fear of the unknown and fear of the amount of extra work that it's going to add or fear of failure and you know when we brought up the Alexa skill to Derek you're just kind of like well I'm gonna have to look into that I'm not really sure it could be a challenge and then all of a sudden you found this tool actually the same hosting site as our podcast and it made the process so easy and simple and we've now uploaded three different Alexa skill flash briefings yeah and I think I mean ultimately I feel like that's kind of to, to Dana's point that's kind of where stuff like this falls apart you know you've mentioned it a billion times about projects like our open data portal or even this Alexa skill like I can easily see how a municipality would look at okay let's let's figure out how to make this Alexa skill or how to do this flash briefing and then have that immediately go to an IT department and then the IT department figures out all the technical nuances of, of how to get it working or in the case of an open data portal, you know, the processes and procedures of of getting that data out there. But then at that point, it just kind of stops, you know. And I think that's the the issue you were saying that you don't know how or why you don't see that this in other municipalities. I think that's the reason is because it's the, the concept is simple, like, you know, you take the information that you have or you take your, your news items and you just need to get that information to people that, you know, take it from point A to point B with as few obstacles as possible. The reality of that is that if you have people that aren't comfortable with or, or maybe not necessarily aren't comfortable but aren't good communicating that kind of stuff to people, then it just dies, you know, and it's not easy to do that. People think that that having an open data portal is is great and then once you put it out there your residents will just naturally engage with it and that's not the case even with Alex you know I love Alex because it puts kind of a friendly face on data for people and the fact that she's kind of an avatar that that again we've talked about this in the past but we can put on other things so that people know like hey if you see Alex there's other information that we have that can share that they can kind of help you understand where we're coming from on this but it's not, you know, we're not at the point yet where technology is like, 
where, where Alexa learns this stuff on her own or Alex learns this, we still need to, there's still work that needs to be done to put, you know, our stories together for the open data portal or to collect this information, to make the visualizations. It's not just something that kind of comes up out of nowhere. And so the, the fear, the difficulty of doing that information, that's what stops people from doing it. Putting your data out there is easy. Putting your data out there and making it digestible for the average person, that's the part that's hard. You know, it's the difference between the ideas of something being simple versus it being easy. Yeah, and we talk so much about, you know, connecting the dots and connecting the pieces and making sure that in your organization, as large as it gets, to be sure that those silos don't exist. And I think a lot of these projects get lost in places where there's no connection. I think of one, we've done some amazing work and had amazing opportunities to work with a lot of the Bloomberg Philanthropies groups. Mm -hmm. Um, One has been our engagement with What Works Cities over the last year plus to create our open data portal. And I recently was invited to a communications director convening. And what I found really interesting were I kept asking a lot of my counterparts that were there, so is this your first Bloomberg event? And a lot of them said yes. And I said, they said, is it yours? And I said, no, I was here for the What Works Cities event. And they said, oh, yeah, that was a different department. I didn't, we didn't come to that. Oh, that open data portal lives in our innovation department or in our IT department. It's not in the marketing department or in the communications department. And I actually gave this feedback to the What Works Cities folks. I said, you know, this is really fascinating to me that there's this disconnect here where you've got involvement with big groups like Bloomberg Philanthropies and you've got a segmented organization where we've had this happen with particular cities where we've talked to someone and said, oh yeah, we just talked to so-and-so. And they're like, oh yeah, I don't work with that person. It's like, oh, okay. And you know, maybe that's an advantage to being a lean organization. We're the fifth leanest uh, government staffed city in the country and maybe that is something that we shouldn't take for granted that because we're so lean we get this opportunity to work across departments with so many different people and we're in the know about what goes on and that's not like that especially the bigger the organization gets the easier it is to get kind of lost in those silos and I think it's really important that government especially work really hard at breaking down those silos connecting those pieces getting the right people at the table to make projects like these successful and that was feedback i shared with what work cities i said hey it's fascinating to me that the people who are here seem to know nothing about the open data portal work or whatever the work is related to whatever those projects were and yet they're the communications and marketing arm of the organization that are actually going to get the community involved and to participate in projects like these. I had a conversation yesterday at the Digital Government Summit with somebody from another municipality. Um, the person that I was t- uh, speaking with is in the IT department, and you know they came and, and they saw your your presentation that you gave, and they they stopped me afterwards and they're like, "Hey, can can we get together and chat about our like communication strategy for a little bit? I want to know what you know what you guys are." And I think I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here, but I think that part of the the reason why a lot of that stuff fails is, you know, kind of as you mentioned, you have these silos that kind of pop around all over the place. So this person was in IT, they're launching an open data portal, or actually they already have launched an open data portal, and they're having a really, really hard time getting their communications team or their their marketing team to, to communicate this information to residents because their communications team I don't want to say doesn't see the value in it, but doesn't 
they're not they're not supportive of the idea of getting this information out there. And there's other organizations in the private sector that get over kind of that hump, which is what I think we have, in that our communications department is a communications department for the entire organization. Yeah, we say we're like a mini agency. We yeah. serve everyone. We're here. Our team is a like a, a little PR agency or you know, media and communications agency who's here to assist everyone else. And I think you make a point. But I would say if the right people aren't brought in at the beginning of the project, mm-hmm. you're right. Yeah, definitely. If you bring them in at the end and here, market this for me, it's like, uh, that's not the way I would have done it. Or, hey, where were we to decide what this looked like, what this interface was like, how mm-hmm. you experienced this? That's really important. And I think getting everybody at the table in the beginning is so key for projects like these. And I think our team and has done a really good job of doing this throughout the organization to getting that buy-in to having us brought in at the beginning of any project, even if like I think of a lot of our just major like capital improvement projects across the community. Um, I may not need to be at every meeting, but they try and include me in the beginning so I at least know what to expect and kind of understand the timelines. And then um, as needed, they know that when to incorporate incorporate me and when not to. So when they're going to talk about marketing related yep. issues or, or when, the when they're going to need help as a road closures or impacts the community and to residents. And so um, I think that goes back to getting that buy-in and showing the value that as a communications team, we provide to the organization. And then once you show and once um, people have that experience and have that success story of working with our team, they come back time after time. And so it just sounds like to me that that team hasn't, that communications team hasn't necessarily, or doesn't maybe doesn't care to show their, their value and what they want or what they're able to do to help continue communicating to the Or maybe they're too busy communicating about things that aren't really, you know, the organizational priorities or the big drivers that the community really cares about. Well, I think there's an even bigger point there, and Jen kind of said it better, I think, than I would have thought it up, but essentially the communication, like, I think the reason why our communications team, our Office of Digital Government, can get everybody at the table so early is because we're not, our responsibilities aren't just to facilitate communication between our organization and residents, we also, because of this agency type of, of, of structure that we have, we also are facilitating communication between the departments within our organization. Absolutely. And between, we bring people together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and ultimately, that's, you know, those, those silos that we were talking about earlier, I think that's what's missing is that a lot of these communications departments think that their only job, their only responsibility is to get the events schedule out to their residents yeah. or to get, you know, whatever the information. Flyers, yeah. The yeah. Monthly newsletter. Yeah, exactly. Is, is it's all, it, and, and, and that's great that it's all resident focused because ultimately those are kind of your end customers, but there, there, you do have other customers. You have internal people that you're working with every day and the organization works better when you have that kind of intersection. I was saying in, in the private sector, uh, I know of one company that works almost exactly the same way. They, they have tons of projects and for each project they, they uh, have what's called a cabal. And a cabal is literally just a, it's one person from each department that goes together that you know chats about whatever that project is, whether there be, it's a person from the IT department, a person from marketing, a person from whatever. And each project project has a little cabal and then all the marketing people also have a cabal so anytime there's a project that comes out 
that, you know, that person is the expert on that project, but then they come back and they share it with all the other people that they're working with in their department to make sure that everybody's at least aware and is communicating about those ideas. Because maybe the, those other people that are in these other smaller teams have some thoughts, you know, ultimately they're just going to share it back to that person. And then that person goes back to the group. And I, again, because of this agency where each department is like our client or, or whatever, I think mm -hmm. that's, that facilitates that communication. And I just don't see that in other municipalities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think also the challenge with other municipalities is that they do have multiple public information officers who have specific departments that they service, right? Um, our team, we service every everybody. department. Everybody services everyone. Everyone services yeah. everyone. And I think that brings us closer together and mm -hmm. allows us to work better together because of that, because I'm not so focused on only economic development or parks and recreation. I know that I have to service everybody. And mm -hmm. so when you segment people out like that, I think that's where some challenges come into play as well, because it's no longer, it's not my, not my circus, right? Not my circus, not my monkeys, like not my responsibility. I don't have to worry about that. I have too much else to worry about. And that is definitely not the mentality that we take here in Gilbert. It's very we, holistic. Exactly. Like we're, we're looking at it as, as how is the organization communicating? Dana, you said this the other day for something, um, and I'm just going to paraphrase because I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something along the lines of when a resident interacts with a staff member from the town, they don't know that they're interacting with environment services or that they're, you know, public works or whatever. They just know that it's an interaction between, a re you know, them, the resident and Gilbert, Arizona. And that is that should be how, again, lowering those barriers, that should be how that interaction should be. The Gilbert, Arizona piece of that should figure out all the details of what needs to happen to make that interaction a good experience for the resident. Um, the resident shouldn't have to think about that. And when you go to a municipality and they have all these issues because they don't know the right department to reach out to or they don't know the right social media platform to use or whatever, it shouldn't matter. They should just be, we should be able to, again, to the point of this whole episode, meet them where they're at and make that experience as simple for them as possible. Love it. I think that's a great place to wrap up. I agree completely. And and I think that, you know, it's it's hard because I, there's still so much we could be doing and even doing more of. And, and I know cities probably listening out there are saying, we don't have the resources. And, you know, it's all about, you know, time management, like Jen said, making sure you have the right people in the right roles, doing the right jobs that you need and thinking, you know, really carefully about what that looks like and building, getting the buy-in and then building the trust and the relationships across the organization so that you can be successful. So yeah, great. Thank you guys both for joining us and thank you to all of our listeners. And just remember, you can follow us on Twitter at GovGoneDigital. Do you have ideas for us for our podcast? We'd love to hear them. So share them with us on Twitter. And we'll see you soon from Gilbert, Arizona on Government Gone Digital. Gone Digital.